are Movie Geeks. Hope everyone had a great holiday break. Uh, we are back tonight. We're taping this, actually, in the hours leading up to the live telecast of the Golden Globe Awards, which, as everyone knows, is Hollywood's biggest Sunday in January. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the Golden Globe's distinction. Yes. You guys are going to be uh, watching it, right? Uh, what the, you know what the, uh, what channel is it on? Is it, I think it's NBC, I believe. NBC. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn it on. Uh, um, but it's going to be an apocalypse. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, this, this, uh, this is not a year to be joking around. No. <laughs> so, That's for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll probably watch a little bit of it. Uh, prob- I'm not going to sit through the whole thing. I don't have that kind of time. I got a lot of things on my plate, so. But I'll I'll tune in from here here and there, I guess. Look at you, too busy for the Golden Globe Awards. <laughs> what <happened> here, man? <laughs> well, what's happened is I got uh, kind of asked to do this. I, I'm actually one of the guys now who approves membership in the North Carolina Film Critics Association. So now. Whenever somebody submits an application, I have to read over their essays and give them a yay or a nay and that kind of thing. So that's fallen into my lap, and I've got a couple that are sitting there waiting for my, as uh, Rod Serling would say, submitted for my approval. So <laughs> to paraphrase Rod Serling. So. Wow. Uh, wow, do you get a lot of uh, people applying? Yeah, actually, uh, I, I think it's a, a pretty steady thing from what I understand. But they asked if I would do it, and I said, well, I'm sure, I'll give anything a try. So, <laughs> you know me, I'm, I'm, if it fails, then I'll know to stay away from that. So, mm. But, yeah, it, it looks – I think it could be interesting. I'm, I'm always curious about uh, the trajectory, some of these people, you know, how they get there. How they mm-hmm. get started and all that, and that's kind of what their essays, refl- you know, usually tells their story. And I, I don't know, that stuff interests me actually. So, I'll be curious. So North Carolina, North Carolina, have they named their top movie of the year yet? Their film critic circle or whatever. Yes, we actually did, and it was the Florida Project. That's kind of a surprise. Uh, oh, that's know. interesting because the Florida film critics named uh, the North Carolina Project their favorite film. <laughs> <of the year>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh yeah, we did. We 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 uh gave it uh, the Florida project, which I was on board with that. I was I was I, I'm not going to argue with that cuz it's it's a great movie and I can't I can't complain. I mean, you know, we all know I love Brad status, but nobody cares about that but me. So, I'm I'm good with the Florida project. So, have you seen Brad status on anybody's top 10 list? No, no. Of course you'll, not. You'll see it on mine. Oh, ah, good. Good. <laughs> Damn it, I hey, hated to give that away. Uh, hey, you I know what? I feel vindicated. Uh, I actually, well, I wouldn't be vindicated by what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody besides anyway. myself. I mean, you know. Yeah. I actually, I'm having a hard time filling out a top ten. It's like, there are still a couple of movies I have to see if we have like a week to see them, I guess. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, man. There's only like eight movies I truly loved, and so I'm having trouble getting the last two spots. Mm. 
I still have two movies to see uh, before I will consider this this year done. I I still have not seen The Shape of Water. Uh, um, mm. Wow. And, uh, and I'm dreading it. You know, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I have to. I say. loved it. I loved it. I know everybody loves it, but uh, I really did. <laughs> just, just, uh, just, uh, Surprisingly, to, to me, it's to me. Uh, you know, I mean, it'll be Sally Hawkins that puts it over for me. I'm sure, but because uh, she's wonderful and I and I do mm-hmm. like her. Um, but uh, but you know, honestly, it's just another genre movie. Uh, you know, in different different clothes, um, and uh, I, of course, Phantom Thread. I still haven't seen that. So, yeah. Did you see? Did he, either of you see uh, film stars Don't Die in Liverpool yet? Just curious. I haven't seen that either. Uh, I'm I'm sure she's fine in it. Um, I don't have high hopes for the movie. I saw it. I saw it this afternoon, as a matter of fact, and uh, I. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's um, you know, it's uh, it's certainly not going to make my top ten, but she is really good in it. And, and there's a couple of there's some some moving moments uh, in it. And I I I don't know. I I uh, I kind of enjoyed it. I have to admit, it was uh, I thought fairly well done. Man, I gotta say this about Shape of Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. You brought up that Shape of Water. It's uh really beautifully uh, uh, designed, uh, and I I did like the look of it a lot, and the the musical score is terrific, and, you know, all the the tech stuff is great, and uh, it does really try to cross its T's and dot its I's with uh, having every character represent a social issue of the time that still resonates today. (laughs) Uh, But I was really surprised by how graphic it was like in terms of its uh its language and sexuality and violence i mean i wasn't offended by it but it was really surprising that it went that far in those areas Mm -hmm. yeah i I was surprised too uh that sally hawkins the full frontal nudity there in several instances that kind of took me by surprise i wasn't quite from the first first 30 seconds yeah right yeah well, at least it lets you know exactly what kind of movie it is from the outset. That's good. It does, yeah. <laughs> it really, that's for sure. That is nothing but a titty flick. I, I wonder if, I wonder if uh, you know, if it's a movie that's attracting, you know, any kind of family audience. <laughs> Can't imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that because I could easily see a family just wandering into it going, oh, this looks like a sweet yeah. monster movie. Let's go see it. Yeah. And like, uh, well, no, it, 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 it deserves its R, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I didn't, and, and yeah, I know it's a fairy tale, and there's the suspension of disbelief and all that kind of stuff. But within the framework of the movie, you should be able to buy the reality that they're trying to sell. I never bought the rea- the the idea that they would let these two janitors into that lab. Uh, I have to admit know. that even watching the preview, I was I was thinking that I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, just two average uh, people just in there just mopping up. Well, you know? it is a fantasy film. You're right. <laughs> so. it, it's it's funny, you know. I mean, 
it's funny people are able to buy fantasy films, but yet, uh, uh, you know, you see all this um, complaining online about, as usual, with the front runner, the front runner being right now at least uh, Lady Bird. Uh, a lot of people online saying, uh, "Should a movie like Lady Bird win Best Picture? It's just a, it's just a movie about people." Blah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what? We need more movies about people winning Best Picture. I agree. Uh, I will give you that. <laughs> instead of, instead of, uh, you know, it's funny. Like you, you see people complaining about, oh, it doesn't seem like a, a good Best Picture winner. Does it? Should it go up there with with The Godfather and, and Lawrence of Arabia or whatever? And then like I'm saying, well, also people are always railing about the typical Best Picture winner. So you know, uh, you know, uh, oh, it's got to be really big and important. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And plus, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, we didn't have one of these those this year. <laughs> you know, so most years, most years we don't have a Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I mean, we might have. I mean, you could you could throw Dunkirk in there as a you know as something that's kind of in that kind of sweet states, but uh, whether you like it or not, you know. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, how many how many lines of Arabians are there out there? Right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey, the other front runner I saw. Call me by your name. Now that everybody else has seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, hang on, I'm eating a chocolate bar. Hang on. <laughs> Which is apropos. It's not a peach. Apropos is it? for this discussion. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I gotta say, um, and I'm hesitant to say this. I'm not gay, and I don't want to speak uh, on behalf of gay audiences. Um, and I don't want to defend myself saying I've known gay people all my life, even though I have. I've been in the theater my whole life. But I will say, if I was gay and I was watching this movie, and this is the romantic equation of, you know, my my lifestyle, uh, my God, I would be so offended. I mean, is there is there uh, does does the most critically acclaimed movie about a gay relationship really have to be so debased, uh, and you know, and I was, I was, I was really kind of offended by the peach scene. I was like, you know, does it have to be disgusting? I mean, it, <laughs> I, it, it yeah. just rubbed me the wrong way. I will say, I really liked Timothy Chalamet. I did really like him, and I understood his half of the relationship. I didn't get why Army Hammer was in the relationship, except that he he just wanted a young piece, which makes him not a noble guy. Um, I agree, but I did. I, I was on Timothy Chalamet's side, and the last twenty minutes of the movie, Michael Stuhlbarg, of course, his monologue, but but really Timothy Chalamet as well. From the moment that he calls his mother to pick him up and he's crying, I mean that that's that was. Extraordinary, emotion, extraordinarily emotional. I thought, like the rawness of first love, you know, the heartache of it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought it, I thought it was a great ending, but I thought it was an ending only half earned. And uh, for the remainder of the movie, it was just kind of, I mean, it was intermittently in- interesting um, and picturesque, but uh, not really involving. Uh, and I didn't feel That's- any kind of heat from it. Mm. Yeah. You know? That's exactly what I felt about it. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't really understand what all the hubbub is about, uh, and that comes from someone who generally likes both the filmmaker and the and the screenwriter. Um, uh, but uh, I also feel like like uh, uh, Guadagnino's movies are uh, kind of ponderous. And uh, right. uh, you know, I, I feel like they always go on too long, and there's there's you know too long of a shot of just a field of daisies or something, you know, and you're just like, okay, let's get on with this. Uh, and Look, and I, um, I get the thing. I get the thing with the peach and the. I get the whole forbidden fruit shit and all that stuff. Well, all I'm saying is, if you want to make a movie about a gay a gay relationship then why do the, why 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 would you make it so perverse i i i i don't i don't get it um i i think it's bad unless the movie is about a very perverse relationship you know and i, and I don't think that this was this was about you know a a, a boy's first love and the man mm-hmm. that took advantage of <laughs> yeah. I, agree. I just don't know why it's being praised I think it's being praised because it's politically expedient to do so uh, Yeah I mean, It's more it's, about the ideology Kind of like Moonlight, I think Like last year That's my take on it And by the way, I third your emotions <laughs> I feel the same way you guys did about it uh, I just it left me cold, uh, except for those uh, you know, the Michael yeah. Stuhlberg thing. You I were think everybody about. responds to that scene, and, yeah. and I think that's a major. That scene is a major reason why it's getting praised is because uh, it's a powerful scene that comes at the very end of the movie, yeah. and uh, very much. It's it's the kind of scene that you're waiting for, you know. And the fact that you get it <laughs> is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, you're just like, yay, finally something happened in this thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, boy, I could not buy, I could not, even even the fact that it's Chalamet's first love uh, or whatever, I just couldn't buy that, uh, what, what, I mean, there's nothing about the guy that's lovable, uh, Army Hammer, except he looks good with his shirt off. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't find I mean, anything lovable about him. I think it was enough that he was an older bronze god, and that okay. he paid attention to it. And I okay. think, I think, at a young age of, of first love, I think that's often enough to leave a mark. Mm, you know? Yeah. Okay. But uh, it'd be great if, like, if uh, somehow we could, we could uh, as. Uh, the audience, we could uh, get some kind of realization from somebody that he's not really that. I don't know. He's just not worthy of yeah. a first love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
it's just that he's not. I don't. I don't think that he's particularly interesting or uh, or uh, fascinating guy. Uh, and yeah, uh, no, I'm uh, with you. Per- I, I, had a, I had a problem with. I had a big problem with this character. His motivations for being in the relationship, and all those people that might say that I love Last Tango and that has all kinds of foul shit in it. That's true, but it's about that foul shit. It's, I mean, it's about perversity. It's about degrading one another. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So there you go. I'm going to open the line to Jerry. Speaking of degrading uh, one like, another. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. I was just going to say. That's, I mean, I am the very... What an degrading. Yeah, I am the personification of degrading one another. Um, <laughs> if current events are true. Um, But I guess... No one's really. I think it's it's overrated, isn't it? I mean, it is an overrated I think movie. So. I, I, it's funny. I, I don't see. Uh, <clears throat> I don't see many people, you know, admitting it. But I believe that it is. You know what? I think it also might be this. Like for, with people that, like that, not necessarily are critics, but they like the movie. I think it might be one of those things where, as long as you end your movie strong. People come out with the perception that, oh, that was a good movie, uh, and that might be what's going on with some people. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was saying. It's just like, oh, it's got a great thing at the end. Oh, it was a good movie. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's a dull movie. <laughs> it's a beautiful looking movie. It, it no doubt made me want to go see the Italian countryside, but that's really what I got out of the movie. Um, yeah. Like all of his movies, but I don't. I know it doesn't. I thought of the three movies I've seen by him that I know of. Um, a bigger splash is by far the one I respond to the most. Um, not this I like one, and not I. Yeah. And not I am love. I, I am love is another case of a very sumptuous movie. I mean, but it's just you know I, I, I it loses me at parts of it. You know. I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think all three of the movies uh, like meander off and like just kind of, uh, you know, have about each of the movies have about thirty minutes that could easily be lopped out of it. Uh, you know, true, true. Least, That's a good at, point. At least story wise, you know, they're good for they're good for atmosphere, uh, but uh, I'm just you know, a bigger splash has that long party scene that goes on and on. And I'm like, okay, we get it. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but uh, it's uh, you know the only thing that it's in serious competition for tonight is for best actor. I think uh, best actor in a, uh, I guess is it a, uh, is is it being listed as a drama, right? So I guess uh, I would think so. I can't remember who. <laughs> who no, no, oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be, uh, he'd be, well, who knows? I mean, Get Out's in comedy, uh, uh, but uh, uh, you, you can never tell with those guys. But uh, um, with the Golden Globes, but uh, uh, I guess so. Chalamet is up against uh, Oldman tonight, so uh, that's the biggest possibility so for we, a win for the movie. Let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. Is Daniel Day Lewis completely out of it? Then is he just not going to register? Even is this just the final performance not going to really he's, merit he's anything? In for, he's in for nom- he's in for nominations, but I don't I don't see him winning anything. Well, speaking of that movie, Phantom Thread, have you guys listened to the Bill Simmons podcast with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson that runs about an hour and forty minutes? By any chance? No, but I'll listen to it tomorrow at work. Now oh, told me about it. Thanks. It's really good. I'm telling you, he's uh, 
uh, he's very candid uh, and, and gives a lot of insight into what it's actually like working with Daniel Day-Lewis on a daily basis. And uh, he talks about you know, where his life was at when he made each of the movies that he's made and his mm-hmm. his um, process uh, and why people consider him to be secretive and that he's hiding something and his reasons for not giving out too much information until he reaches a certain point. He he he. Uh, I just thought it was really really good. Uh, it's okay, well, check that out. You know, it, 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 ever... It's obvious that Bill Simmons has a massive boner for Boogie Nights. Oh, constantly, yeah. like I promise, I'll ask about something else. I'm gonna keep mm-hmm. asking about Boogie. Well, this one, I do think that PTA is one of the finest living directors. I really do. I mean, he's a fat. I mean, each time out is fascinating, and. I just this film just it seems like lately though I think we talked about this but with the master and and Harry Vice it seems like people are giving him the even the benefit of the doubt I mean um, it's like they want there will be blood there will be blood well that is a masterpiece and I think the best movie of the century um, these other two movies are very good too in their own right and it just seems like he's been I don't know I just think he's, he's been downgraded by his own cult. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. There used, there why. used to be a strong cult of uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson fans, and uh, it feels like feels like they've given up on their master, so to speak. But your master is getting better and better, I think. Though that's the thing. I, think he's a <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the new movies, so I can't say. But uh, right. you know, I mean, people definitely shat on um, uh, Inherent Vice. I mean, I think that was. That that broke a lot of people. Uh, mm, that's a shame. It's a shame. It's a really he, good movie. He speaks to that in this podcast. That he says there was uh, people will walk up to him on the street sometimes and they'll say, uh, "Man, I love Magnolia." Or, "Man, I love Boogie Nights." And he said he'll with the new one, Phantom Thread. Somebody walked up to him and said, "I just love Magnolia." And and he said, uh, "Are you going to check out the new one? You're going to see the new one?" And he said, uh, "I didn't even know you had a new one coming out." <laughs> Well, that's his fault because he. I, I think this whole thing of just sitting on the movie until, uh, until the, the last platform. second. I mean, it's the platform yeah. release. It's exactly, I, the platform is the release is the problem. I don't think it's a good release schedule. No, no, it's not. It's they're talking in September and October. Is the P.T. Anderson movie coming out this year? You know, we didn't even freaking know. There was no confirmation at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, I don't see why that's why. No, no, but it's, it's, it is the platform. The platform release is part of the problem, though. When New Line handles his films, they don't know how. The thing of releasing, like what they're doing right now with this movie, is I thought it was going to open here this weekend. It's not going to open here, I think, until next week or the weekend after. It's really yeah. just, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, the, it's a horrible, horrible release strategy. And this happened with Boogie Nights, too. I mean, it, it's just a really wretched um Way to release a movie. Um, so. And if if the movie didn't do well in the critics groups, it's because it wasn't out there to see. Yeah. For most people, uh, it did do well. In uh, yesterday, they released the uh, the results of the National Society of Film Critics, which I think is the most uh, interesting of all the film critics groups. I they'll, do too. Uh, they'll always. Uh, kind of su- surprise you a little bit, and uh, this year maybe it's not a big surprise. Their best picture was um, was Lady Bird, with Get Out coming in at only two votes lower than Lady Bird. Uh, 
Wow. And, and third, and I like how they give you the the votes too, right? They give you yes, the numbers, which I that's like. That's nice. That's that yeah. is a good thing. And uh, and then Phantom Thread came in third. Uh, and that's pretty much the case for a lot of the categories, you know, uh, uh, director, screenplay, so forth. Uh, those three movies. Uh, but uh, Gerwig did win best director, and best original screenplay. Um, So uh, it looks good for her. Of course, uh, the movie is, I guess, now the front runner for best picture. So that puts even a greater target on its back and people want to take it down. Uh, Particularly genre fans who want a genre movie to win. So it's those people that are... uh, screaming for either Get Out or uh, Shape of Water to win Best Picture. Um, So I do think that the Best Picture Oscar is down to a battle between Get Out and Lady Bird. Yeah. So it's going to be a classic battle. One side, it'll be all the genre fans and the gamers and everybody, you know, largely probably male audience. Uh, and on the other side is Lady Bird. <laughs> the people who are following that are people who like good movies about real people um, and are also rooting for, I am personally rooting for not only a movie uh, directed and written by a woman to win, but also a movie about women to win. Uh it's not, of course, exclusively a movie about women, but uh, if it does win, it'll be the first movie in a uh, in probably at least a decade. I can't remember the last one that had a female lead. Uh, yeah. What was the last Best Picture winner to have a female lead? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> See, we can't even we can't even say it. Uh, I mean, the last one I can remember right now is uh, Terms of Endearment. Well, Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Okay. What about uh, Shakespeare in Love? It's it's, it's about male aggression. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To a large extent, but she's the lead. So, So, there you go. She's a lead. I mean, uh, I I guess she's the, she is the lead character. So that's, okay, so we go to 1990. Then uh, uh, you mentioned Shakespeare in Love, which uh, I guess she's the lead. But you know, there's another lead in Joseph Fiennes. So mm-hmm. uh, so, but I'll go I'll go with that. Uh, she won a lead actress Oscar. So 1999. Okay. Yeah. That's a fucking long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two decades. Think of any... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's about time for a um, mm-hmm. movie like Lady Bird to win. And, uh, yeah, I just can't uh, tell you how angry it makes me. Uh, oh, it just doesn't seem like a Best Picture type movie. Well, did Moonlight seem like a Best Picture type movie? How about uh, Birdman? How about... Uh, 
you know, spotlight. <laughs> Where those, I don't think any of those are best picture type movies either. Mm-hmm. So. And I think it's better than all of those. I'll I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I have the uh, North Carolina Film Critics uh, Awards list here. If you guys are interested, it's the one I vote for, of course. And just I'll quickly go through them. Um, the narrative film was Get Out. That's uh, I said Florida Project. I was wrong. Sorry about that. But it, it did come in a close second. Uh, you'll love this, Dean. Keddy was the uh, best documentary film. Mm-hmm. So got the. <laughs> um, well, it was the Keddy was the most popular documentary of the year. The biggest money maker of the year. Probably yeah. the only documentary that made it to the hinterlands. Uh, you know. Yeah, critic, critics, critics rushed to that like it was catnip. I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, yes. Coco got animated film, and then uh, Oakjaw got the foreign language. And director was Jordan Peele. Um, cinematography Roger Deakins. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes was special effects. And we gave it to Gary Oldman for best actor. We gave it to Defoe for a supporting actor. Sally Hawkins for actress, uh, Laurie Metcalf for supporting actress, and original screenplay, we gave it to Jordan Peele, an adapted screenplay. Uh, it was a tie between The Disaster Artist and Molly's Game. And then we have a memorial award that we give out for uh, a film that has a tie to North Carolina. And in this case, it was Three Billboards was shot uh, in the western part of our state, which is in Smyrna, which uh, filled in for... Ebbing, Missouri. So it was actually Smyrna, North Carolina. So, <laughs> truth be told. Yeah. So well, cool. that's there, there really is no Ebbing, Missouri. So they had to <laughs> they had to go somewhere. They <laughs> had to go somewhere. That's right. So that's our little uh, awards. Uh, that's what we did. So, so uh, look at all those awards too. All of, almost all of your awards went to genre movies. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, can't say I voted for a lot of them, but that was I'm only one voice. Mm-hmm. So there's a strong push to try and get the Oscars to recognize the value of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Well, that was, uh, and, and 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 it's nothing new. I mean, the the germs of that might have started when they increased the Best Picture nominees to ten mm-hmm. uh, because of the Dark Knight snub. You know, people have been talking about that for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, you're gonna we're gonna see a lot more of it. A lot more of the. Uh, uh, I mean, yapping. I don't, I don't discount. I just, I don't discount them just because they're a genre movie. I mean, I, I honestly think in 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 '78, uh, Superman might have belonged in the in the five best picture nominees, even though it's a genre movie. I'd go for uh, I'd go for that or uh, yeah, me too. Or Alien being in the '79 race, mm-hmm. right, you know. right, right. Uh, so uh, you know, I mean, uh, or or, uh, or the Thing being in the you know 1982 race. Uh, so you know, but uh, I don't know about Get Out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a sense, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. There's always been a sense amongst 
the Joe Popcorns, that the you know these award ceremonies are just elitist. They're just a reflection of Hollywood in their minds, and uh, the the, proof, the ultimate proof of that is they never recognize the the only movies that the masses go to see, which aren't uh, smaller character movies. They're movies like you know Guardians of the Galaxy and that kind of stuff. And so if the if if the Oscars want to be relevant or speak to the people somehow and not be so snobbishly elitist, then they better recognize movies like that or they'll lose their audience. Um, if they're if they're talking about diversity and inclusion in their membership ranks, then they ought to consider the same thing in their in their um, criteria for the movies that are under consideration. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with this. Yeah. I don't agree with it. I'm just telling you the perception that seems to be out there. Yeah. yeah All right, well, thank right. you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, completely, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, and I, I just want the best movies to be out there. That's all. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I just yeah. want the, the nine or ten best movies. Uh and uh, none of that should should matter. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we uh, in 2015, you know, we had at least we had you know Mad Max and uh, and The Martian yeah. in there. Right. Uh, uh, last year we had The Arrival, and um, I guess that's the only one uh, that's in there. Yeah, I think last year that it was. Yeah. Um... Well, movies about people are becoming their own genre now. They are. <laughs> Sadly. So start, start selling them as genre pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no. you hand, hand out 3D glasses whenever people go in and watch them. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, though. It is becoming. It is becoming like a... Like oh they only go see those little movies the little indie movies with people talking in a room. Hmm. Uh, yeah, those those used to be called just movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what movies are. Uh, anyway, We're so old true, true. I'm not gonna rest until. Uh, a movie led by Minions won Best Picture. I think that's the next political movement <laughs> that I'm going yeah, to they're, embrace. They're being, persecuted. they're being persecuted, so yeah. I think so. <laughs> I mean, how long has it been? I, I can go back to 1927. I still can't find a damn movie led by Minions that won Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here uh, looking so, for the last... I'm looking for the last movie that was led by a woman. Okay, Million Dollar Baby. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Minions. I think it's a movie about Minions, though. <laughs> <laughs> the last movie with Minions. Uh, I don't know, Gladiator? <laughs> True. That's there, must been some, there must have been some Minions in that. All the money in the world. All right. Uh... You know, it's uh, all the money in the world is one of those movies that everybody was talking about after the Kevin Spacey thing, and now not a fucking person is whispering <laughs> anything about it. <laughs> Nobody's in the theater either. No, I guess not. Uh, no, I guess so. They could have. Okay. Uh, who 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 saw it? I saw, I saw it. it. Did I? 
I had no problem with him. I mean, I didn't entertain him. Um, I just thought, God, what a world-class prick that he was. I mean, you know, that's how I got out of the movie. But I thought it was a good, really mm-hmm. shot thriller. It was nice to see him make a movie and not go back and cannibalize one of his older films. So. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good, but I just don't think that uh, you should put too much stock into what the movie says happened as, as a basis for what really happened, because uh, there's probably about as much resemblance there to the real story as there is to Star Wars, I think, from what I've read. Uh, there's just a lot of liberties that were taken with the real oh, oh, of course, story. Of course, I mean, and it's, uh, I don't care about and, that. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Star Wars got Getty completely wrong. Personally, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, if we look at the jetty of that um, Jabba the Hutt, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of issues there, but um, but no, I, I think it's it, Ridley Scott's so not so much interested in, I guess, because he's making like with American Gangster, some of these other films where he's talking about wealth and crime and everything. He has he's very fascinated by to make money and what it does to people. I don't, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know the story of the, you know, the exact story of the kidnapping, but I'm sure it does take liberties, and sometimes it has to for cinematic, um, to, for cinematic, um, to be cinematic and, and that, but it sounds like what happened afterwards to this guy was even more interesting than what happened during the movie yeah. to the guy, the kid that was kidnapped. It, it sounded like his life never really recovered at all. Um, yeah, that's a more interesting story, actually. You're right, and... Well, I mean, I'll give an example. You know, during the end of it, there's this long protracted chase where they're trying to, they've let him go, and then they decide they want to keep him, and they're chasing him through the streets. And what really happened was they dropped him off at a gas station in real life. There was no chase. But I guess you're right. They have to take some dramatic license to make it exciting. So there's this this chase that never really happened. And and, and there's a... There's another thing that really annoyed me about it, too, and this really, I'm a big music fan as well, and I get really angry when I am watching a movie and they, they're playing a record on a turntable and it's the wrong label, and and it or even if it's uh, the wrong year, the wrong year. I know I'm too right. geeky about this, but this I'll is where I, 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 I know, I know the, the exact shot you're talking about. I know the exact shot you're talking about. Yes, the, uh, and it wasn't just me. It was two of my colleagues that I was sitting with, and they said that we we were all three angry because we and it's the thing about the zombies because they flash back to 1964 and the and uh-huh. the camera goes along and it shows them playing uh, time of the season supposedly off an album by the zombies. Which well, is an overused. I have that album. Right. Which is an yeah, overused. Well, it's, hold on a minute. It's an overused sure. cat. <laughs> anyway, it is. First of all, it is very very overused. overused. And it, and they show it on Capitol Records. Well, the Zombies never recorded for Capitol. They recorded for uh, uh, Parrot, which is a subsidiary of London, which is what they recorded for in, in England. And then, to make it worse, that song did not even chart on the American charts until 1969. So here they're, they're playing it in 64, and it's it's did the continu- continuity people fall asleep? Or are they just being lazy? Well, here's, just, here's, a, question, know, this, here's a question for you. Does Warner yeah. Brothers own Capitol Records? <laughs> true, true. That's they, the reason. They do not. I, I don't. I don't know if they do or not. But that's a. I don't think they bet. do. It's probably wrong. But, but uh, mm-hmm. I remember that music cue being used uh, at Awakenings. That's the first time I remember it being yeah. used. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not saying that was the first time, but that's the first time I remember hearing it in a movie. Yeah. But, um, 
and that was 89 or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. I got to say, all the money in the world, to me, in my opinion, was deadly dull. Uh, because because it's a kidnapping story that uh, you could write in your sleep, really. You, you've seen it a million times. They kidnap them, they hold them. Uh, <laughs> what are they going to do to make, make sure that they know that they're serious? They're going to cut off the ear, they're going to send up the ear. Um, the only thing that made uh, made it promising or unique or in any way uh, biting was the Getty character, and uh, he's a rich prick, and you've seen that a million times too. So I, I, I didn't understand the... Um, the singularity of the story beyond it was the rich grandson of it was this grandson of a rich guy. Uh, and I will say um, he has his reasons in the movie because if he pays his ransom, he'll have to pay ransom for all of his children. I mean, people would get that idea, but the, the prickishness comes off because he's not particularly haunted by that decision. <laughs> I no. mean, he's, he's okay without paying it. Uh, but it, it, in Kevin Spacey's hands, that that character was a lot more villainous and slimy. Uh, Christopher Plummer brought, according to Ridley Scott, and I could completely see this, brought an elegance and a sophistication and a kind of shading that wasn't there with Spacey. Uh, Spacey was more uh, s- s- smarmy, smiling villainy. You know? Mm. Yeah. I can see that. With horrible makeup added on to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh he you know, he's not ruling out that they're going to release that cut because I, I just heard him on uh uh the business, the podcast The Business, uh that that they um that comes out of the public radio station in Los Angeles and uh he was the guest last week and he said uh if everybody's on board with releasing it he's not a not against it that he would release the Kevin Spacey cut. So it could be uh we we may see it. Who knows? I'm curious. You, what, you can watch two cuts of a boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious just to see his his scenes isolated against Christopher Plummer's scenes. And it's also very surprising that uh he's in a lot of the movie. I mean he's in like twenty something scenes. Yeah. Uh he's he's, he's not he he wasn't this walk on supporting. Uh, I mean, no. it was a hefty role, uh, but they had to reshoot. And what they re- what they do it in ten days or something like that? I think it was nine, I believe. Mm, wow, it's a lot. Yeah, twenty scenes to reshoot in nine days. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. And, and Mark Wahlberg, well, by the way, well. I was going to say, he's a real weak link in this movie, too. I don't know what you guys think about him, but I just thought he was in way over his head with that role he plays. They need to stop casting Mark Wahlberg in, in movies with characters that require uh, a certain level of intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you just can't buy it with him. I'm sorry, you can't. Can't buy to him as a as a professor or something, you know. No. Uh, it's just, you're not gonna be able to do it. Get somebody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is Jake Gyllenhaal available? Get him. You know, whatever. Yeah, but. it's gotta be it's gotta be somebody that operates on on their uh, on their intellectual instincts more than their physical brawn. 
And I, I know that Mark Wahlberg gained weight for the movie and everything, but uh, yeah, yeah, about he, that. He, he, go ahead. Was there like a sale at the sub shop or something? I mean, he just looked like packed <laughs> on. I mean, I don't mean that. Bad. Look, I like the movie. I take it for what it is. I didn't think it. Is, I don't think it is Oscar bait though, or anything like that. I did. Uh, thought, yeah. I thought Michelle Williams was very good, and I do. I have to give her props. I thought she was. Given what what she had to do, I thought she she did a very good job. I think it's an entertaining movie. Um, I just don't know if it's really. I don't know. I don't get anything out of it. All I know is just I went to the Getty Estate for the the museum they have in um, California. That's all I kept thinking of during the movie. Actually, was that and um, once again how beautifully the Italian countryside was too. I also <laughs> another movie where I, was, I really want to go to. You know, if I ever if I'm ever kidnapped, I mean that's the place I want to be taken. <laughs> yes, but there is the scene though the, where he starts the fire. Uh, yeah. You know, as a creative stuff. I was just like, oh, re- you, re- you, and you know, you know, he's gonna do that. You know, he's thinking that. I mean, and you're just like, oh, why don't you just start a fire? And sure enough, he starts a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and it's an interesting postscript about the Getty Museum that uh, that it was his 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 daughter-in-law. That donated all that stuff to the museum mm-hmm. for the public. You know. Yeah, interesting. Well, what's the biggest financial disaster? Is it this or downsizing? Which one is? I, I haven't looked lately to see which one is doing worse. Downsizing is just a bad movie. I mean, I would have to put downsizing one of for me as one of the big disappointments of the year. Um, oh my God! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, I didn't get out to the movie theater to see this. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, but I just have to say, it. I'm going to, and maybe I'm alone in this um, criticism of the movie, but I think if you have to spend so much time on the process of what the, the downsizing process, it takes you out of the movie. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. That, That's a good point. Yeah. It takes you out. There's another movie that does this a little bit better, but it also takes you out. When um, Sam Worthington has to explain the Avatar process and Avatar, I sometimes feel that takes you out of that movie as well. I think when you, there, there has to be, there, there are things that we learn in the screenwriting classes where you have to ask, you ask a question in the script, um, you have a character asking, you explain it, but you've got to make it a little bit more interesting than downsizing, does it? I mean, there is a better way to have done that. I know that's a, that might be seen by some um, uh, um, listeners is nitpicking, but it really does take you out of the movie. Um, really well, I mean, to... what about what about the just just to explore this for a minute? Because I, I don't disagree with you, uh, Jerry. But what uh, uh, what about it? About the portrayal of that process took you out of it? Well, take, well I feel like I'm almost, and this is, and this is once again nitpicking. Um, but I feel like I'm almost watching like a documentary in one sense, and I don't mind that. But can we do it a little bit where we're, we have a really great filmmaker at our disposal, Alexander Payne, who we have to admit, this is the first, I'm going to say this is his first bad movie. That's not a bad track record. Um, yeah, he's had but, yeah, but excellent just, track record. And the movie's trying to, and I, I admire what the movie is trying to do. Okay, this is the way we're going to save the planet by shrinking everyone. I get not everyone, but people who volunteer for this. I get that. It's, it's an interesting – it's not what I thought the movie was – when I first heard about the movie, I thought the movie was actually about like, unemployment. I didn't realize it was going to be this when I, when I read this um, a couple of years ago when the, when the plot came out. But 
it just is a better way, I think, to do this. I think the movie has some admirable goals, but it just never gets there. Okay, um, well, I think, I, I, I think we're in agreement on this here. Uh, what happens in the movie is that you're right. They do treat it sort of like, oh, we just want to see the process. So it, it does become like a documentary, uh, you know. Uh, and and really, who cares? They shrink them, blah blah blah. That's it, you know. But they have to show There's them, you know. They have to they have to show them, you know, in the doctor's office, you know, and getting scooped up uh, with spatulas and stuff like that. It's all of that stuff was just. Uh, excuses to have little special effects sequences. I think that's why they concentrated on that. But uh, you're right that <clears throat> every time the movie threatens to get interesting, it it scurries away from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes so like there's an there's an instance <clears throat> in the movie where before um, before Damon and Wig go under the process. They're mm-hmm. having a drink at a bar, and a drunk guy from the bar comes up and says, "Hey, are you one of the guys getting downsized and everything?" And he starts to try and start a political argument about the fact that the downsizers right. are not paying as much taxes as the as the big people are. So, right. Um, so right, he right. starts. He starts. It's a great example. He starts to try and get a drunken argument started, and I was like, "Huh, that's that's interesting." And then they just sort of scurry away from that, and they never even explore it. Anything that the movie brings up, uh, it's it's almost scared of it. So the movie's scared of what it wants to say. I think the way you're bringing it up there, that's a very good point. Scared of its own message. And uh, and and. It also, when it gets to something that's going to be funny, yes. it also scurries away. Like it says, ah, we don't want to be funny here. Uh, in <laughs> fact, it's aggressively an unfunny movie. Like, yes, I, like you're I like agree. you're like, wow, these are the guys. Okay, remember, it's written by Payne and Taylor, uh, yes. the guys that did Susan Ruth and uh, and. Uh, Sideways election. and election. election, yeah. I mean, and and, and about Smith. and very first, all of them very 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 funny movies. Also, uh, also also very very uh, serious movies too. Like uh, yeah. can, they can be very very uh, you know two different two different uh, dynamics. You know, attacking you in their movies usually, but mm-hmm. here. Here they take this thing and it's just like wow, it is literally <laughs> this movie is literally putting the audience to sleep. Yeah, you know if the way you describe it, Dean, if I didn't know any better, I would think you were talking about Gareth Edwards' Godzilla, where every time the monster is about to show up, hey, let's cut away to this. You know, they're always cutting away to something else, and it's a, and it's the exact same thing, just a different kind of movie. But it's still whenever something's going to really get interesting. It's boom. Let's let's forget. You know, we don't. Want, God forbid, we get the uh, we rock the audience out of their slumber. No, let's. Get, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can sitting in the theater. You know, like sometimes you're watching a movie and you just you can feel it not working, like right. really fe- seriously feel it in the audience, and um, you can just feel it. Uh, this audience just uh, uh, zonking out to this movie. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so, so radically 
uh, I don't know, it was sleepy. There was something sleepy about it. Even the main character. Uh, can this be a blander main character? I mean... Each- Let's talk about that for a second, though. I don't think I've seen film in a dollar main character in, in movies in many years. He is pretty dull, but he's, he's like, I heard to give Damon credit. He, he at least tried to do something in Suburbicon, well, which was a horribly advertised movie. It was not about what the trailer makes it out to be. Not a great movie, by the way, but at least it tried to be something different, uh, but it was poorly advertised. But it is that same kind of thing. It, it, that's another movie that gets lost in its own message or what its message is trying to be. Um, but Damon is in both of them. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's, I mean, there, there's something, something has happened to him um, lately. Adam, you, you saw it. You saw Downsizing. I right? did. Did you like it? I, I'm just lukewarm on it. I thought there were some good moments in it, but I... It's definitely a misfire. There's no doubt about it. It is a misfire. Um, I mean, really yeah, is. I didn't hate um, it as much as you guys, but uh, I, I, I could not recommend it. Strong word. Hate's a strong word. It's not like I want to beat the shit out of Alexander Payne or go on Twitter <laughs> and, and and say it's not like Alexander Payne raped my childhood or anything like that. I, mean, I don't want to. I love yeah. I love Alexander Payne. Love him. Oh, I, I yeah, love dude. the fact I, I love the fact that he took a chance on this. I just don't think yeah. that I just don't it's think not that his they. I don't think that they. I I I wonder what they were thinking when they didn't put anything funny or insightful into mm-hmm. the script. Like yeah. they had to work on that script for a little while, right? Yeah, I they think so. Go I mean. back to it. And go wow. So there's just no. There's nothing funny here. Or did they think it was funny? Uh, was That's supposed a good to be. Point. Uh, That's a good point. <laughs> I just what. I couldn't figure the movie out. You, you uh, guys think what, what do you guys think about these charges of racism uh, that they're lobbying against that character? Uh, you know the Asian character. Oh, the Hong the Chow character. Yeah, right. Oh, have they? I, I mean, didn't know, I, did not, I did not know about this. Wait, well, when did this happen? I've been so out of it. Oh, yeah. The, there's been a big thing, a backlash, saying that uh, Alexander Payne is. Is being racist because of the broken English that the character speaks in. And yeah, that, but uh, here's 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 my point, and this is something that Aaron was saying because Aaron went to see it yesterday, and I was talking to him about it, and he said he was talking about the racism aspect of it. These people are morons. In his mind, he thought the movie was okay. Uh, he said in Same his here, mind, yeah. she's she's one of the smartest characters in the movie, and oh, yeah. and I agree with him on I agree with him on this point. There are people. There are there are immigrant ethnicities that speak broken English. Yeah. And and why why is that any kind of racism? Uh, I mean, I know people that speak broken English. It's not racism to, to realize that they do. Speak broken I felt English, that way God too. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, it wasn't like the characters played by Mickey Rooney. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean that would have been that would have been horrible. <laughs> you know, if they would have gotten if they would have gotten Michelle Williams or somebody in there, and, you know, put on some makeup on her and uh, you know, turned her into Poor an Asian, that would have been that would have been horrible. Hey, um, but that's a good point. I mean, look, she's the heart and soul of the movie. If she wasn't in the movie, I think you'd be tempted to walk out. I'm oh yeah, absolutely. You're really, she she grounds. Whatever reality there is, um, she really does. Yeah. You at least, you really, she's, do actually, you feel. 
feel very bad for her. I she's she's the only life in the movie. Like yeah, uh, I agree, yeah. I I feel like I feel like everybody in the movie is kind of like a zombie uh, until she comes into the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like, don't care about anyone in the movie other than her. I care about her plight. I care about yeah. her, her status and everything. I feel very bad. I feel horrible for her. I mean, I feel bad for her in the movie, so I won't give it that. I and like Christoph it, Waltz is wasted. I thought he's he's extremely annoying in it. Like <laughs> they they made him into a, a annoying Euro trash asshole. So uh, wait, can I ask a question? Is that like? happens to his character in the Green Hornet like before or after the Green Hornet basically I just didn't I just couldn't I'm sorry I just thought he, he was wasted in the movie it was almost like Christoph Waltz playing a parody of Christoph Waltz in some instances <laughs> um, but I did enjoy Udo Kier I thought yeah, Udo Kier yes yeah. I, yeah. I thought Udo Kier had one of the best scenes in the movie <laughs> that long scene where he talks uh, talked about his yacht and everything oh yeah 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 that's great to think about a Udo Kier and a Alexander Payne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no one's been mentioning Udo Kier in it, but uh, um, uh, he and uh, and Hong Chow are the only two people in it that I liked. Uh, they totally wasted Kristen Wiig. Like one, yeah. of the, oh, yeah. one of the funniest people on the planet, and like she she gets nothing to do. Uh, it's a, oh, it's I a, agree. It's, I, it's such a waste. Yeah. But I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, when we saw it, at the, we saw it about uh, in mid November at a press screen pretty early, and uh, it was just it was press only. It wasn't one of those where they let the public in and. So my two of my colleagues and myself, we were just sitting there talking before the the movie, and and uh, and then when the movie was over, there was an older lady, and she was sitting up top, and we were just being nice to her. We said, "Well, what did you think?" And she said, "I would have rather sat there and listened to you guys talk about movies for." Two <laughs> well, that, that's a very nice. That is very nice. She said, "I was listening to you." I know. She said, I was listening to you guys before the movie. She goes, I was really interested in what you had to say. I would rather have just sit there and listened to you. So, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were both funny. Remember that horrible Godzilla 1985? Yeah. said, I'd rather see Raymond Burr stomp on the building. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I remember as a kid. I would go to video stores and I would say, hey, you're going to throw away these standees or whatever. And they had a standee mm-hmm. for Godzilla 1985. And uh, <laughs> and I, I remember getting that and taking it home. And my parents were like, what the living shit are you? <laughs> I mean, it was a huge standee. It was like, it was like bigger than my room. It's like, what the hell are I, we going to do with this thing? I can use that. I can use that right now. I, I thought you were going to say you found like, remember, one of Raymond Burr. <laughs> no, no, no. I, and when I, I was a little kid, I just remembered this when I was a very little kid, like uh, <laughs> earlier than 10. I would write to movie studios. I got their addresses some way and uh, say, I'm doing a report on this movie. Like, uh, I remember one of the movies was The Jewel of the Nile. And if I wasn't doing a report on The Jewel of the Nile. And I said, I'd appreciate any information you could send me. And they'd send me a press kit. And they'd be like, good luck on your report. And I thought that was the coolest thing as a little kid. I just remember <laughs> that the other day. <laughs> One of the craziest things I ever did was I was uh, 
I was in second grade, and I was a big King Kong fan. Of course, we know that. And uh, I was actually, I actually sat down at my kitchen table and wrote a letter to Dino De Laurentiis to try to convince him to do a part two of King Kong. <laughs> and I put it in, I put it in an envelope. I was like seven years old, and my dad looked at it and he said, "I don't think uh, your handwriting's good enough to be sending off to uh, movie, movie producers." I'm sure. I'm sure we'll find out, Adam, that he has that in a special vault, and he's like, "See, someone liked the movie. Someone liked the movie." Okay. Yeah, that, that, that 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 movie is that movie's called Dune. Uh, I want to talk yeah, about a couple of uh, a couple of things that I've seen, real quick. I won't belabor them. I saw. Tri- I, I went through a trilogy of Albert Brooks movies. His three early directorial efforts. Oh. Uh, one after mm-hmm. another. Uh, real real life. Um, oh yeah, Modern Romance and uh, Lost in America. I got to tell you, um, <clears throat> I saw Lost in America years ago. Lost in America is a very good movie. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, Real Life is a little less successful for me, mm-hmm. even though I, I I did enjoy it. I like the humor in it. Um, but Modern Romance was so strong. It I is a masterpiece. It is incredibly insightful about re- relationships and a certain kind of behavior, and uh, incredibly brave of Albert Brooks to write that character for himself and to play it as unapolo- you know as unapologetically as he did. Uh, you know that's a very naked performance. It is an all performance. It's a brilliant movie, relationship movie. I thought. Um, yeah, well, and, you know, every, everybody's talking about the the what's uh, whatever that movie is that is politically all the post and that kind of stuff and how politically relevant it is. I think the most politically relevant movie for this past year, for this time, isn't a great movie, but it's a solid enough movie that nobody's talked about, and that's Mark Felt. It's the Liam Neeson uh, movie oh, it, about yeah, Deeper. I mean, yeah. Uh, it look it, it's it's a it's a very kind of standard solid. It's not great. It's not awful. It's a kind of a middle of the road movie, but in very uh, middle of the road. But in this time that we're living in, I think it's a valuable movie to watch. There's actually a scene in that movie where the White House is contacting the the, the FBI, and they're they're uh, they're trying to say you know lay off this investigation of Mark Felt, who is the second in charge says, uh, no, uh, it's not your place to tell us that. First of all, we're two entirely separate entities. And the White House says, well, we're just suggesting. And uh, Mark Felt says, no, we're not open to your suggestions. You're not getting it. Uh, and I, I, Well, that could have been written about last week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's kind of amazing. So I, I think everyone yeah. should check that out. That no, it's a worthwhile film to definitely check out. Um Definitely. Although I did like the post a lot too. I won't lie. I thought the post was very well done. Um, probably my favorite Spielberg since Munich, to be quite honest with you. Um, so. I know. And it. Uh, I did. I watched uh, a document. You know, people talk a lot about Barbara, Barbara Koppel, and she's a wonderful documentarian. And, uh, you know, a movie like Harlan County, USA is. Um, one of the greats ever made. 
Uh, uh, very few people talk about uh, another one of her documentaries that I really love, that I rewatched the other week, which is Shut Up and Sing. It's the the Dixie Chicks documentary. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good one. And I, I just I like that. One. I was listening to I was listening to their album, and I was like, I feel like watching that movie again. So I found it, and it's just a really, really strong, powerful movie that reflects how intoler how much intolerance there is <laughs> to oh, yeah. free speech. You know, um, yeah. and it catches them right in the center of it as it's happening, which I always love about documentary. Finally, uh, I finally broke down and watched all of the title of this. Um, Gene Dealman, 23. Mm. <laughs> yes. Wait, which one? The Sentown Ackerman about. movie about the about the woman cleaning her apartment or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's essentially it. Three hours and fifteen minutes of her <laughs> uh, going through her daily routine over the course of three days. Yeah. Uh, cleaning cleaning her apartment, running errands, uh, cooking servicing dinner, clients. Uh, <laughs> servicing clients in her bedroom. <laughs> Wow, uh, the same time Wait, every day. The same time every day. It's from 1975. It's been. Uh, if anybody knows about it, like me, it was from the Criterion Collection because they they've pressed it both on DVD and recently on Blu-ray. I think. Um, yes. But uh, I think that movie is as vital, as audacious, and as revelatory as anything in the 70s. I was I was Holy so shit. incredibly. Uh, I was so incredibly enamored by it, um, because and 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 it's it's almost like uh, an, 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 a test watching that movie, because you you have to know. Look, your the camera's going to be static. It's placed in this doorway. She's going to move around. She's going to be cooking dinner, preparing pasta, and all that kind of shit. And uh, her head might be cut off because she's not within the, the camera's not going to move. Uh, camera's not going to accommodate her, or she's not going to accommodate the camera. So uh, you are actually watching somebody in their daily lives do, doing busy work. And so it forces you to maintain kind of – to assume the rhythms of the movie. Like, And so when you get to that point, it, it almost redefines time. And if you're – in that headspace, eventually you become so one with the movie that the slightest deviation of behavior or routine registers. And I think yes. that's what Ackerman wanted. Ackerman wanted to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So when she, when she dropped something on the third day, then you know that something's off that day. Um, and so I, I thought it was an extraordinary uh, – Work of art. I, I really did. I don't. I don't suggest any other movie try to do this. <laughs> but uh, you know, because it's been done as well as it could possibly be done. I think in this one, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it's a great movie. No question. It's but you have to. Time. You have to be in its headspace. You have to. You have to give yourself over to it. You know, if you can't. Yes. If you can't do it, then uh, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, I've watched a lot of movies uh, this past few weeks. 
Um, I finally saw. Uh, I saw. I love you, Daddy. Jesus Christ, has everyone seen this movie but me? I mean, I, <laughs> well, I saw, I saw it on the, I saw it on the torrent. Um, uh, so I don't know if that's still you up there. You guys are killing me! You're killing me! Jesus Christ! Well, you, you, listen, don't don't lose much sleep over it because it stinks. Uh, uh, it's, it's, is it better it's, than Pootie Tang? No, Pootie yeah. Tang is better. Is oh my God! Pootie Tang is, oh, oh, Pootie Tang is actually funnier, and I would recommend it quicker than I would this one. Uh, oh my this is, God! This is the first thing that I've seen Louis C.K. involved with uh, since I've been following his career, I guess. That uh, which has only been about the last, I guess, six years or so. Is Joe Pesci uh, in it? What now? Is Joe Pesci in it? I only say that because you told that story where Joe Pesci criticized his um, his comedy and everything when he asked him to be in that the online show. Remember? Oh the yeah, online. right. Yeah. <laughs> no. I just thought Joe Pesci should be in it. You know, at this rate. No, Pesci's not in it. Uh, unfortunately, Charlie Day is in it. <laughs> he's pretty oh, awful. Oh come in on! It. Really yeah, he's terrible. Bad. He's he's awful. At it. It's a terrible it's a terrible character. He's always he's the character yeah. that's in the room with Louis and ma- making all the the crazy jokes and stuff. He's he'd be sort of like a I don't know. He'd be like a who's that guy that's uh, that used to be on Lucky Louis? Is it is it Jim Norton or somebody like that that used to say all the disgusting things that uh, you know that the main character couldn't say. So anyway, Charlie Day is in this role in this movie. So he gets the he gets the wonderful scene where he gets to mime masturba- masturbation to completion, uh, which is wonderful in 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 the Louis C.K. world now. Uh, yeah, and but, it's great uh, how he throws that he he throws that upon someone else to do. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just I don't, I don't want to be the one to do what the thing that I do. So what I really do. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but um, boy, what a, what a radically unpleasant movie. Uh, first of all, beautiful black and white. I do have to say, it's shot in black and white. Uh, you know, as as sort of a tip of the hat to to uh, to Woody Allen, and the quality of the black and white is is high, and uh, so I have to give it credit. Is it there. black and white? I mean, is it shot in black and white, or is it just decolored? Yes, I'm not sure. I think it was. I think not, it was from what I'm I read. Not. Okay. Um, uh, it 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 looks like real black and white. It doesn't have that blue tint that decolorized black and white has. Uh, it it uh, so it, it looks it looks good. Uh, yeah, it however, it has a, a terrible music score on it that I cannot fathom why they put this score on it. Like what? What is this big floral? Uh, yeah. It, it every time she every like, time she makes an entrance. It sounds yeah, like it Nelson like, Riddle or something, which is a little but, but, but bad Nelson Riddle, like like library Nelson Riddle, like you go to the free right. library. What's something Digital that sounds juice. like Nelson yeah. Riddle? <laughs> you know, but, you know, bad stuff. Really, really horrible. Uh, also, a really uh, nowhere kind of screenplay with. Uh, Again, another movie with somebody who's adept at giving us laughs and no zero laughs in it. 
uh, which is not a deal breaker for me uh, as far as Louis C.K. because uh, Horace and Pete didn't have any many laughs in it for me, but I still responded positively to it. Uh, this I just felt uh, was about nothing, really. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't. I, I got I to say the only the only saving grace for me in it was the presence of John Malkovich and his yes. Malkovichism. You know, yes. it's kind of uh, oddly detached. <laughs> kind of yeah. abused. I, he was I, the best know, thing about always, it. Yeah, it's like watching an alien amongst human people. It, you yes. Get, Take your eyes off John Bakovich. That's just his personality. But, He's got uh, this kind I, of I malevolent not... quality that uh, I find amusing in it. There was, there was his his performance was the only time that I felt entertained. Yeah, and I, I got to uh, tell you, I didn't find it especially provocative. I, I no. thought that uh, I thought the killing of a sacred deer was more provo- provocative, and I think that's a ridiculous movie. So uh, I was like, why is everyone so scandalized by the, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I was, uh, I was also mildly interested in uh, Edie Falco's character as a, <clears throat> as the woman behind the scenes that's really getting the job done. Uh, yeah. And uh, meanwhile, the, the creative person, Louis C.K., is just uh, sort of fucking around. And making her life more miserable uh, by his sort of flights of fancy, um, but uh, uh, it wasn't enough for me to hang the whole movie on, you know. Yeah, and the Especially whole thing her with, first scene, her first scene where she starts to cry and she's screaming at him, uh, a highly emotional scene that she has. She was great in that moment. Yeah, uh, but the whole thing with <laughs> the father and the daughter. Uh, did not register to me at all. Uh, hmm. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get anything out of it, and uh, I don't know. I guess uh, uh, was is it Chloe Moretz? Uh, yeah. That's, that's in it. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. I, I didn't. Uh, I used to think of her as being a very promising actress. I, I don't know. She just well, <laughs> all I, well, the promise. Yeah. All the promise seems to have uh, dissipated. The promise may have been destroyed by Carrie. I don't know. Um, the Carrie remake. I don't know. Um, or may, or or maybe know, maybe dude. Sucker Punch uh, or something. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I love right, I love that's right. That's right. I love the Equalizer when he goes on that rampage at the Home Depot. I think that's oh, yeah, like dude, that, pure that's pure classic. great trash right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's great. It's classic. Um. So, but so uh, everyone has seen I love you, Daddy, but me. I'm not that really <laughs> dying to see it. Can I be honest, guys? I'm not dying to see it. Can I be honest with you? I'm not really dying to see it. Um, yeah, it's just that everyone has managed to see it but me. I mean, I mean um, what's next? Um, what's okay, next? so here are two movies that I loved that I saw recently uh, that I have to I have to say something about. Uh, first one is called Voyeur. It's a documentary. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Is that on Netflix? Is that on uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a uh, really, really riveting documentary about. Uh, well, you know, when you find out <clears throat> that it's about a voyeur, it's about a a, a guy that uh, sets up a motel uh, with rooms that are accessible for him to spy in on the people, you know, 
renting the rooms. So uh, he uh, has a relationship with the novel with the nonfiction novelist uh, Gay Talese. Uh He mm. had written to him over thirty years ago, uh, saying, "Ah, you should do something about me. I I, I spy on people and stuff." So uh, they had a long long time relationship, you know, uh, corresponding back and forth before Gaitelis decides to do a book about him. Uh and um in the pro- that's what the movie is really about. The you know, you think, oh, this, is this whole movie gonna be about a guy, you know, jerking off to, to people getting blowjobs and stuff? And no. It, I've seen many movies that I've loved with on that topic. I've been in movies. I've been in movies that have uh, I've started in movies like that. I mean so well, luckily, you know the movie isn't just about that. Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, it's aggressively not about that. It's about the uh, it's about the the problems that Gaitelis comes up against when he starts realizing that his only source, which is this guy Gerald Foos, um, is untrustworthy. And for somebody like Gaitelis, who really prizes uh, uh, reality in his pieces. Uh, uh, he, he goes the extra mile in his books to provide reliable journalism. And when he finds out that uh, he can't trust his friend and source, then uh, then things start falling apart. And uh, it's interesting to see also. Uh, his subject, Gerald Foose, uh go back and forth between being, you know, from mm. from uh, sort of hero worship because uh, he he does uh, like uh, Gay Talese as a person, but also as a as an author, and uh, and then uh, getting angry with him when he reveals something uh, in his piece. That he didn't want revealed, which is basically about his his uh, his net worth. His his uh, he's got this large sports card collection that he considers to be worth millions of dollars, and uh, Gay Talese lets loose about it in one of the articles, and uh, and uh, he he doesn't like that. So, but uh, anyway, it's a really really great movie. It goes places that. Uh, that are very very surprising. I haven't uh, ruined anything for anybody, and uh, uh, I would I would highly recommend it. It's at, at ninety minutes. It's very very uh, it's very quick moving, and uh, the uh, the filmmakers uh, Miles Kane and Josh Curry deserve a lot of credit for sticking with this story. I, I don't know. I would have been scared away <laughs> from it. By some of the things that Gay Talese says about them on on camera, but uh, but they stick with it. Yeah, and, it, uh, it is interesting. Great. It is interesting how people get whiffs of this stuff because they're filming it as he's preparing to write it and he's going through the process, and uh, so it's interesting how people get whiff of something and that uh, like how do you know about this until after it's already happened? So yeah. that is neat. Um, yeah. And it really is, like you said, it really is about the responsibility of the author to their subject and, and vice versa. 
And so I, 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 it is it is an interesting movie that goes beyond the kind of the sexual perversity of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're to the point where the voyeur, you know, you're not even sure who is re- really the the titular voyeur. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, who is it? Is it us? Is it is it is it Talise? Is it is it uh, this guy? You know, who knows? Brian. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's all three, and that that is what's interesting because Gay Gay Talise to be what to do what he needs to do. He needs to be a voyeur. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, oh, studying, that's absolutely right. uh, Studying his subject, mm-hmm. and so when the shoe's on the other foot, I mean, it, it is a kind of a contrast there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he did, uh, you know, they they make a point of mentioning his book, you know, from the 70s, which we remember, I remember seeing on the shelves, Love Thy Neighbor, or is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, which was about the swinging 70s uh, uh, sexual revolution sort of thing. Uh, um, so, <clears throat> you know, uh, yeah, the voyeur uh, moniker, you know, really sticks. Uh, the other movie I want to mention, uh, also uh, uh, an Amazon movie this time, it's called Crown Heights. Uh, it's it's based on a episode of uh, This American Life. Uh, I saw podcast. it in the theater, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Um, mm-hmm. I was really impressed with this movie. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, written and directed by Matt Ruskin. And stars Lakeith Stanfield as a um, teenager who's convicted, wrongfully co- convicted of murder, and uh, um, spends the next uh, spends quite a, quite a while trying to trying to rectify the situation, trying to trying to get out of prison, with the help of uh, um, his best friend on the outside, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, also, with the help of a of a woman uh, that he tried to start a relationship with up, up earlier in his life, but uh, comes to his uh, comes to his rescue later on in life. So, anyway, very 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 good movie, uh, devastating. Uh, another very quick moving movie too. Uh, again, uh, it covers. It covers 20 years uh, in uh, an hour 34, so you got to give it credit for that. Uh, and it does it r- very well with a really strong lead performance by Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, this is the kind of this this is a movie that I think should be talked about a lot more because I think uh, I think well, the, I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, oh, I, th- um. I think it's a, a really important subject matter. Uh, and uh, it is uh, it is stressful to watch. Uh, I guess people are uh, not talking about it because it's it's a difficult movie. I guess, uh, but uh, um, it, it, you know, movies about injustice like this are are, are tough to take. You know, because I guess. I guess it's it's tough for everybody to realize that uh, you know, especially black people, to realize they could happen at any moment to anybody, uh, and so it, it, it is rough. But uh, it's something we need to face up to. It's a problem with the it's a problem with the uh, with the whole system, and it has been for quite some time. Um, so 
uh, I really, really responded uh, deeply to it and uh, highly recommend it. It's called Crown Heights. Was, yeah. I was going to say it was really weird because we got a screening for it, uh, like a press screening, and it was a private screening. Did They didn't offer it to the public or anything. And uh, and and so they had a firm release date, and then we got an email saying that uh, they were going to be uh, postponing that release date. And long story short, it never was. It never came to theaters in our area. And yeah. So we saw it, and they just it never even played. Which, yeah. And I and I reviewed it. I wrote my review because I was anticipating that it was going to be coming like they had told me it would and then they pulled the date so the the review went out and people couldn't even see it so i think i gave it like a three stars i believe because i I did enjoy it too yeah so yeah. i mean it's not in my top 10 but it's right on the outlier for me, mm-hmm. for me. both of these tell you what's on my top 10 oj made in america uh, yeah, well, when, when I when I can't fill the top ten, I'm just going to fill the remaining spaces with OJ Made in America, <laughs> <laughs> or any You're random those... TV series. You just made Some me peaks. think of something else uh, from the uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson interview. He was talking about his dad Ernie Anderson and his uh, you know announcing capabilities, and he said one time he had a friend over, and they were making a long distance call on the telephone, and he picked up the phone and said, "Get the fuck off my phone." <laughs> that Ernie Anderson voice. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> if you could imagine that Ernie Anderson voice, I just, I could just, uh, I laugh. It's, so funny. <laughs> it's funny when you listen to this. I went back and uh, and did research on Ernie Anderson. Uh, wanted to hear examples of his VO work. And uh, you go back and you take a listen at some of those ABC uh, promo pieces. Yes. Oh, man. Hearing his voice takes you right back. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. It's it's like a time machine going going back to 78, you know, hearing his voice. It's crazy. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) I mean, he's he's the guy who used to do the love boat, you know. That's right. He, he, <laughs> you know. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it, is, he, it is surprising. He said, he said in that interview that uh, it was weird because he was contracted to work for ABC, but he was actually, if you guys are, and you guys probably remember this too, he was the guy in the booth on the Carol Burnett show. So he did work for the Carol Burnett show even though it was on CBS, but he was contracted for ABC, which was um, kind of odd. <laughs> that is weird. I didn't realize that that was him in the, in Carol Burnett. That's funny. I had yeah. no idea. I was so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was good uh good friends with Tim Conway. You know, they got uh they got their start at the same time when he used to play uh Goulardi. I think he was like his sidekick when he was Goulardi. Hmm. Tim Conway was. Oh wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So they went way back. I got to mention another movie that I loved recently that um, maybe it's fallen through the cracks. Maybe people don't know about it. <clears throat> but uh, uh, there's this woman that was on uh, Saturday Night Live for about two weeks or something named Noelle Wells. Um, I don't, I can't remember exactly the reason why she was uh, let go. Wait, or, wait, 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 wait. She, wait, she was let go too. 
Yeah, I can't remember exactly what year. Um, no, but she was on. I thought she was on because she was on the main cast. But I guess you know the the, 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 play, the supporting players cast, wasn't she? She was yeah. on Master of None, right? Remember we were talking about her on Master of None um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, I forgot she was on Master of None. She was. She was only on it for just a little bit, though, right? Uh, no, no. She for, was. Remember in the first season. Oh yeah, there. that's right. She was his girlfriend. Yeah, I mean that's right. Okay, so for the first season, uh, yeah, God, I completely forgot about that. Uh, the second season just completely uh, eclipsed it for me. But um, right, right, she's good. Uh, anyway, she has uh, completed a uh, a directorial writing and directorial effort. It's called Mr. Roosevelt. Yeah, uh, that's out. Uh, well, uh, let me just say that I caught it online. <laughs> put, okay, put it like that. Okay. okay, so it's out there <laughs> to see. It's out there. It's right, like, it's right next to uh, I Love You, Daddy. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's correct. Right next to The Day of the Clown Cried. But okay, uh. Yes, which I bet you can find a copy of The Day of the Clown Cried on the torrent someplace. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but really uh, life is beautiful once you down when, once you download it. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, I have to say this. Uh, I I really like Noah Wells. Uh, she was the lead in a movie called Forever a couple of years ago that I saw That's at right. the yeah. Atlanta Film Festival that I really liked. Yeah, I and, was there. Remember? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> God, uh, you're really you're a really great memory there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah down we sat together. <laughs> I wasn't Jesus expecting Christ. to 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 mention Forever today, but uh, yes. So uh, uh, yeah, don't uh, you remember we uh, we we took the direct the director of the yes. movie? Uh, they, we put him in our car and drove him to the party because they didn't they didn't want to take a taxi cab. <laughs> of course, Jesus I Christ, remember. Treadway, God, <laughs> we did. I remember having. I didn't. We didn't. We didn't have dinner with Noel Wells. Just the just the Don't director. Don't you remember? I, I, I gave you a headshot after the screening. Don't you remember? <laughs> <that>? <laughs> we yeah. did though. We walked out. They knew Dean because he had screened the movie early, and so we walk out. And he says, and and they recognized him, and they said, "We're looking for a cab." And he says, "Oh well, you can just ride with us. Adam's got a car, and if it's okay with Adam, I said, yeah, sure. Why not?'" So <laughs> we wound up driving him to the. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's why we went out to we went out to the goat farm. For, anyway, uh, Mr. Yeah, Roosevelt is a is a, a fun little movie about uh, a, a struggling actress uh, in California who returns to her college town uh, in Austin, Texas, to reconnect with some people from her past and to. Uh, vis- to to pay tribute to the cat that she left behind in her last relationship. That is the title character, Mr. Roosevelt. The cat has has died, and uh, and she is revisiting the boyfriend that she left the cat with, uh, and uh, and seeing that he's seeing that he's in a new relationship, and uh, so that creates a lot of trouble for her. Uh, um, let me just say, it's not a deep movie or anything, but I thought it was very funny, and I think Noah Wells is extremely um, attractive and uh, and entertaining to watch. She's just mm-hmm. she's no, no, funny. No. <laughs> she, no, she, she is. is. She is funny. 
And um, so, so that's, you know, I really responded to the movie basically on the strength of her performance as a writer and as an actress. Okay. Uh, primarily. Is so, this a new trend? Is this a new trend of making movies with the, like the nicknames of first ladies or presidents? You know, we have Lady Bird. You know, it's not about Lady Bird Johnson. We have Mr. Roosevelt, but it's obviously not about TR, FDR. So I'm going to make a movie about Nixon, and it's about, you know, it's about a killer hamster, okay? So I just want everyone to know that. I'm like, now. <laughs> and we're called Tricky Dick Ate My Shorts. But, um, you know, but, yeah. I think, no, I, think I want to see this. I, there's going to be a new movie called. About it. There's going to be a new movie called Mamie. I heard so. The, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a movie. It's not about Mamie Eisenhower, folks. But yeah. Um, yes. So well, I'm glad somebody got saw, that. I saw that. Can we talk about an old. Can we talk about an old movie? Can we talk about an old movie real yes. quick before we go? So Friday, um, I had to come home from work um, to help to help my mom with something. The, you know, it's very cold out here. The garage door was frozen, so I had to like you know fix that. Um, I got a present in the mail. I got a Blu-ray in the mail, um, and it's one of my favorite movies um, from the '90s, uh, Hal Hartley's Trust. I didn't even know Hal Hartley was on Blu-ray, um, but I was really touched with it. My girlfriend Sarah sent this to me, who is also a big Hal Hartley fan. Um, and I was just really blown away by this, and I had to watch it last night. And of course, I watched. You know, before I said, I watched right after it, just the quality, obviously, um, of the cinema viewing after that went downhill quite <laughs> rapidly. If you've seen Bright with Will Smith, it sucks. It's that bad. Um, but I watched on Trust last night. And I have to say, guys, that's one of the best movies of an early '90s independent film movement. I don't really care. I mean, I know how Hartley doesn't have his fans anymore, but. That movie's so good. And you were speaking of Edie Falco earlier. I had forgotten she was in the movie. Well, I didn't know who Edie Falco was at the time. Um, but that's such a good movie. Um, I just can't. It's just, I mean, I love The Unbelievable Truth. I love Amateur. I love Simple Men. But Trust is just, I think, his masterpiece. I mean, Martin Donovan and Adrian Shelley are so good in that. I don't think Adrian Shelley was ever better than she was in that movie. Um, and it's a shame that she's no longer with us because it was... Waitress showed a lot of promise, but trust is just so perfect and just. And I mean, we we've talked about Hal Hartley on the show, and he's just. I'm sorry, that guy's just an undiscovered genius in this country. Um, he's just so good, and I was just really, I was just moved that someone someone else like Hal Hartley as much as I do, but I was just like to get that as a gift, um, which is really nice. But it's the movie is still holds up 25, what I guess 26, 27 years later, it still holds up very well. Um, I was really blown away by that. Um, and just every, he gave everyone work during that movie. Um, you'll see a lot of people that you see throughout the, um, like in Neil LaBute movies um, and other movies you'll see um, from that time period in the American independent cinema. But it's just such a masterpiece. I really, I, I don't think I've seen a movie like from that time that's aged as well as that has. Um, mm. But it was just really, really nice to watch. And we always talk about, we want to find these. I mean, obviously, I Love You, Daddy is not going to be the savior of American independent film, even if Lee C.K. wasn't in that kind of trouble. But um, it, it's, he had a unique voice. And even like something like Ned Rifle that just came out a couple of years ago, you still see you still see, you still see flashes of the genius that you saw in those first couple of movies. And I found out he directed on the show on Amazon Prime, Red Oaks. He's directed a lot of those. Um, I did not know that. I had no idea that he was even doing any sort of TV work. But... Um, yeah, trust you. If you've never seen it, 
guys, go out and rent it. It's really, we talk about movies on this show. We talk about a love of movies on this show. But, no, I don't know if anyone at that time loved movies as much as Hal Hartley. So, please, check it out. It still holds up well. Mm. Um, you know, I need to I need to up my Hal Hartley game, really, because I really, outside of Henry Fool and um, maybe one other, uh, which I can't even name what that one other one might be, uh, I, there's a lot of his movies I haven't seen. So. Well, no, those are. If you're on Netflix, and I think you have to, you have it's a it's a DVD, but he has a DVD of short films, all his short films that are compiled on one disc. I don't know if they still have that or not, but it's worthwhile checking out. And I think Adrian Kelly's actually a lot of them either. The only one I saw was the one with Parker Posey and Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Faye Grimm, Faye, the sequel to Henry Fool. Faye Grimm. Faye Grimm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's just really good, and it was just—it was really nice to get something in the mail too. So it was really nice to get another um, gift in the mail. But how Hartley though? That just picked yeah. presents over everything else. Um, so that was really nice. Um, uh, so. I'm watching—I'm watching the red carpet. Everyone's wearing black, and you can tell because uh, they are absorbing all the light. It's just a sea of black. It's so it looks really dark. You know how it's all bright on the red carpet and it's lit to the nines. Uh, there's like an absence of light. <laughs> I mean, it looks like. I mean, it makes Ryan Seacrest look like Al Jolson. It's not. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Wow. wow okay. I don't know what to say about that, man. I don't even know what to say. Uh, okay, we got a choice, guys. We could do our top ten next next Sunday, and have Adam on Sunday after, and then we have the Oscar predictions the final Sunday. The final Sunday is set. That's Oscar predictions uh, with Tony mm-hmm. Macklin. Or we can have Adam on next week to do Blu-rays, and we could have top ten on the nineteenth or the that Sunday, the next Sunday. Adam um, next week, Blu-ray, uh, Blu-rays next week. Uh, and then, uh, and then the top ten. Yeah, the only reason I, the only reason I say this because Phantom Thread I think opens here Friday. That's the only reason I would just yeah. in case I do really like it a lot. That's all. I mean, that would be my. I, I haven't seen. I I haven't seen. I don't know what my top ten is yet. I know what my top five is. But uh, I don't know. Can I tell you? Adam, I is, know that okay? is that okay with you? I mean, you're the most important voice here. Is that okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm letting you guys decide. No, uh, next, uh, next week, uh, Blu-ray. That's fine with me. We can do that. Yeah, we're here planning. We're planning uh, uh, Adam's life, but we're not even consulting him. Yeah, hey, Adam, <laughs> Adam, Adam. You wouldn't be the first one to do that. <laughs> will there be Will there be movies that we can make fun of on this? Uh, yeah, there'll be some uh, some uh, with questionable merits of taste. But there, there's some. There actually were there were a few good things that came down the pike in December, and and I'll try to since we're probably going to be tied up with some, uh, you know, award stuff. I'll probably try to not go ahead and knock out January and December at the same time. Just kind of do highlights. Uh, yeah, is what I'll try to do. That's a good idea. We, we That's kill good. I like two. that idea. Yeah, kill but you know. Uh, but there's there's uh, there, there's some good there's enough good titles to. Um, Spurn some good discussion, I think. So, 
You were talking about older films that you saw. I will name one that I had never seen. I meant to. It was on my to-do list and never did see it. Uh, did And I'm sure you guys have all seen it. Uh, Wad, The Life and Times of John C. Holmes, <laughs> the documentary. <laughs> I have never seen that. I, really? I, I knew of this. I don't know. If, you know, this is so bad. And I don't know if I've seen it or not. That's the problem. And it's I on YouTube. Everything I've seen. Right? Uh, well, how I found it was what what happened was it's an interesting story behind that because Owen Gleiberman I think it originally was made in 1998 or something late 90s and they couldn't release it because of rights issues or something and Owen Gleiberman uh, named it as like his favorite movie of that year but it never got a release and so he had to retract that or something so what they did was they put it on as the bonus disc for Wonderland, and they didn't even advertise it. Like, it, it, you have to get the two-disc set, and you don't even know it's there unless somebody's telling oh, no, you. I have to buy Wonderland. Yeah, but Wonderland make, make sure you get the double disc, because there's two packages. There's the single disc and the double. Get the double, because the second disc has the movie. And that's how I got it. And it's uh, it's really, really good. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's... Uh, and it's obviously, you know, kind of sad because of what happened. But I, I didn't realize, you know, ironically, he was so instrumental in getting AIDS testing in the uh, adult film industry and then contracted it later on. Which oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I, 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 did not yeah. know. I did not know. Uh, that. He, he was? He, he was instrumental in getting it implemented? Yeah. Before yeah, he had more he was tested? Yeah. He yeah, had the because he, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they, you know, yeah, because he, he said we should do something about this and we everybody should get tested. And so he got tested and he tested negative And then he said, well, let's do this regularly and make sure that we're keeping up with it. And then five months later, he got tested again and he had it. So yeah. it's it's really an interesting, but it's a, it's a really, really good documentary. And uh, if you can find it, I, would, I wanted to vouch for that one because uh, it's one that had slipped through the cracks and I just finally... Got a hold of it and, and it's good. Yeah, good I saw it. I saw it on YouTube. Believe it or not, and there's and there's even there's even a version out there with Paul Thomas Anderson's commentary on it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's in. He, he's in the one I saw. He's in the documentary, but he doesn't do the commentary. It's, he's just in it. Can I just add something in about this Paul Thomas Anderson and this whole thing about John, John Holmes and Dirk Diggler? You know, Dirk Diggler is based on someone else, really, not John Holmes. He's based on Tom Byron, it turns out. I didn't know this until a couple of years ago and listening to the Realtor Report interview with Tom Byron. It's really Tom Byron who Dirk Diggler is really based on, mm. not John Holmes. I, I know, I'm not saying I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of Obviously, there is John Holmes in there, but it's really Tom Byron because Tom Byron, I think, wanted to, I, I think Tom Byron wanted to sue Boogie Nights because he said, that's my life. Um... He was really yeah. Well, but, I don't, uh, uh, he does not like that movie. Yeah, maybe. I'm just I mean, throwing I'm it out. Sure it, I'm, I'm just throwing I, it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a composite. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm sh- and and he he ain't the first porn star to get into drugs and ruin his life. And <laughs> with the fucking yeah. No, but he gets to have a happy ending. Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, but he does. Get to, <laughs> does get to have the happy ending that no one else got to have. So. Yeah. Yeah, John Holmes is uh, interesting. I, I was, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I was helping my friend. Uh, he he got this new TV for Christmas, and he was 
putting on uh, stands on, on underneath. And so me and another one of his friends were holding up the TV, and, and my friend Rick, like, gets on the ground, and he's he's got stands, he's trying to screw them in the bottom of the TV as we hold it up. And so, you know, my crotch is essentially in his face. He's looking up at my crotch. <laughs> There's an image you want. There's an image I really want. There you go. And he and he started laughing, and I was like, "Yeah, soak it up." I said, "It's like that opening shot of Star Wars." Come on. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and the only reason why that came to my mind is because that's uh, I remembered that from someone describing the first time they saw John Holmes' penis. They were like, "Remember that first shot in Star Wars when that huge spacecraft starts to emerge on screen?" <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I'll never, I'll never look at Star Wars the same way ever again without thinking of Crotch now. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness.